A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. Two unlikely friends take on the world. Now, a few weeks ago, we were talking about iconic women. And today, we thought we'd welcome an iconic ally onto our podcast. And no, I won't stop using that word. It is the iconic Louise Redknapp, who is also non-gay. So if you're not in the UK, she was in a massive girl group. Who's she? The cat's mother? No, Louise Redknapp. Isn't it rude to say she, though, at the beginning of a sentence? Is it? That's what my mum taught me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> You're the grammar police, so... That's, that's news to me. Anyway, she was in this huge group called Eternal um, in the 90s, but despite the name, she left in 1995, which was like a huge deal at the time, right. um, to pursue a solo career. She didn't stay. Um, some people thought she was crazy. Are these eternal song lyrics? You know perfectly well that the, these I, I'm are... not sure I do. I remember Louise being a big deal when it was Louise and not Louise in Eternal. Anyway, she sold over 5 million records in the UK, 15 million worldwide. Yes. Um, and in 2004, check this out, she was named the sexiest woman of the decade by FHM. This is why you agreed to book Louise on the podcast, isn't it? No, but I do think it's interesting that she was the sexiest woman of the decade four years in. They've just gone... Do you know what? No one else is going to come up in the next six years. Let's just give it to her. <laughs> Louise has just brought out a book called You've Got This, and it's an inspiring journey into mental health and being a woman in 2021. Today, we chat to Louise about her amazing LGBTQ plus fans, performing at Brighton Pride alongside Britney, dealing with hassle from the trolls and her own battles with mental health, plus how she finds dating as a household name. Something, you know, I really share a struggle with Louise on. You know, I think she really, really demonstrates the power of a woman. Uh, I don't think actually Louise is on that song, Dan. That's yeah. That that was after she'd left a turn. Anyway, it doesn't really matter because we're not talking about Eternal here today. Okay, sorry. Um, but shall we? Uh, shall we go around again? Here's Louise. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. Oh, yes. thank you. And I hear the podcast is amazing and doing so well. And it's so nice that you're doing it. And I think it's I think need more of things like this and people talking and oh, getting their you. opinions out there and not being scared to say things. So yeah, well done. So Dan is the gay one. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I meant Dan, say hi to you. But <laughs> yeah, either way. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. I used to dance to your song Naked in the lounge, yep. naked with my sister in front of my mum. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real memory of mine. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, if you get that a lot, but what an amazing bop. Such a good you song. You know what? Yeah, out of everything I've done, whenever I walk into a, a room where there is maybe a gay guy, he will always say to me, I love Naked. All I did was growing up doing the routine. So, um, yeah, it, it's popular. Do you know why that we resonate with that song so much? <laughs> I have so many gay people um, like that come up to me and say, uh, your music was during a time in my life where I was finding out you know, what sexuality I was or what I wanted to try or not try. It, your music was around during those years for me. So I play songs with meanings and times. So I think maybe that is why it still stands the test of time. Also, I think for me, because it's about being, well, it's about saying you make me feel naked, right? That's the, that's the hook. And 
I think that's sort of like on a deeper level, maybe that just means like no filter, you know, yeah. I can be myself finally. Absolutely. And that's what the meaning was. You can be anything you want to be. Um, and I think that's why it did resonate with so many people because they they could sing it. It was fun. It was up, but also there was an underlying meaning and it's we should all be allowed to be whatever we want to be with yeah. zero yeah. judgment. So you played Pride. I mean, you've played every Pride, but you played Pride with Britney a few years ago in Brighton. Yes. Did you get the chance to meet? <laughs> did you get the chance to meet Britney? Did she I know didn't. where she was? <laughs> I didn't get the chance to meet her. It was kind of one in, one out. I mean, it was great. Mm. I did watch her. Absolutely. And of course, Pride's, you don't get better shows than the Pride's. It's always the one I give the most thought to of what we should do and the set list. And I don't know, it's just always a, a big day in the diary. But um, I did get to watch Britney. She did a proper show. I think she brought her Vegas show. Um, I think she thought she was in in Vegas still. I actually. think so. I'm not sure she knew where she was, but hey ho. Um, you know, bless her. She's obviously been everywhere. Um, but yeah, she brought her whole show. And it was amazing. Yeah, she smashed it. Funnily so, enough, I, I was there at that Pride. <laughs> James wasn't. But that, that Pride was absolutely, like, absolute carnage. There was just so many people there. It was a lot of people there. And actually, when Britney come on, everybody just sort of tried to get as close as possible. So actually, I was quite up the back because I once I'd come on stage, I'd gone round and I was with all of my team that I work with. So everyone was super excited about seeing her but then me being the, the mum of the pack was kind of like we need to leave before the end guys otherwise we're not going to get home like, we're in our fun anymore <laughs> like what? Uh, we can't stay for the finale because we won't be able to, to get home it would take us hours to get out of here so we're all going louise why are lgbtq plus people and and fans of yours so special you write about it in your book without sounding really soppy i feel that they're have been certain fans that have stuck with me through good and bad times. And I think their loyalty of always being there, like every show I do, there's a front line. And I know each and every one of the guys and girls that are there because they are always there. And, and they don't realize that they give me sometimes the confidence I need when I'm up there. If I'm feeling a bit nervous or the sound's not good or, you know, I'm having an off date. If they're there, I feel that what no matter what I do, they're having the best time. So, and I think that goes across the board for so many of my shows. Like when I did Clap and Brand, and I, I just feel that that community are so incredibly loyal. And I always say I've got my army because woe betide anyone that tries to cross anyone they like. And I, I love having that. I love feeling that my back is so covered. And for me, it also means creatively, I can have fun and do all the things I want to do rather than have to think of, you know, is this cool? Should I not do this? Should I, you know, should I sing this? I just feel like they're incredibly supportive. We've been discussing recently Reclaim These Streets, the the massive movement that's happening with women, amazing women in the UK, and they're speaking out about things that have happened to them and they maybe haven't spoken out about that before. And I just relate so hard to what these women are saying as a gay person. And I wonder if there is there is such a connection between women and LGBTQ plus people. Um, I feel that it's most probably a vulnerability that is there where you you feel targeted. I know um, a lot of my 
my gay friends have, have some have grown up with no issues no problems never sort of experienced anything horrible but then i have other friends that have really had a hard time and have felt targeted and it's been more difficult for them and i think that is where the vulnerability comes i think as a woman you feel slightly vulnerable to somebody who could possibly not everybody who could hurt you and you could do very little about it um and i think a vulnerability maybe from you know the gay community is that are they going to be targeted for whatever they they choose to do or choose to be it's i think that's the feeling if that makes sense yeah and it, it connects us yeah it does connect absolutely um i think everyone should be connected i'm a very much live and let live anything goes you should just be absolutely free to be whoever and whatever you want to be in life whatever job whatever sexuality it, i'm i'm so I'm, I don't know, I'm quite passionate about that because I'm, I know how I feel as a woman and I get so heavily judged as a woman and I have been, especially over the last few years. So I can only imagine that it must be similar for you know somebody that's going through something like that, that that judgment could feel the same. A gay and a non-gay. Pretty much the whole of my team are gay men. Amazing. <laughs> I don't think I have a straight man that I, man that I work with anywhere actually um, and of course they're all my friends too because we work together we play together we go on holiday together and actually I will just quickly say my mum she said to me look I'm, I'm a bit concerned because you just go on holiday with all the boys all the time you go to dinner with all the boys and I'm wondering when you're set there with eight boys maybe men aren't coming up to ask you out because they think one of the boys are your boyfriend. <laughs> I'm like, that's one. People don't come up and ask you out. And secondly, I know where you're going with this, but they're my friends and I don't want to have to wear a T-shirt saying they are all gay men. <laughs> Mama, you can still drop your number off. So um, it just made me laugh. And she was like, gee, I'm just, just worried. Everyone would think that one of them is your partner and then no men think you're single. I'm, like, I'm sure it's obvious that they're gay, like as a gay well, person think so but I don't know <laughs> like actually some you just you just you never sort of well I would never judge from just appearances even though you 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 could I just wouldn't so I, I wonder if other people would be the same but anyway yeah I am um, I have a big you know a big love for supporting um, the gay community and it's very very big part of my music career my life my friendships we're actually putting this episode out on the uh, International Transgender Day of Visibility. Do you have a lot of fans who are trans? Yeah, do you know what? I have a few trans fans that actually come to the show. Um, most of my my boyfriends, I obviously, of, when I say my boyfriends, I call them my boyfriends. They're my <laughs> gay boyfriends. Uh, it's, it's actually something that I'm really up for supporting. So I think it is incredibly important. But it's just finding the right ways and the right the the right things to do to help to support that community um but i'm I'm definitely 100 percent in oh i love that <laughs> they are having such a difficult time and i wonder when you see the press that comes out every day every day about that community whether it feels familiar in a way because they're just being bullied and hounded and I, they don't I, deserve it i can't get i can't get my head around what the issue is and that might seem so simple and i, I don't know maybe that's such the wrong answer but i don't get what possibly anyone can have 
any problem with someone's choices. I, I just can't understand it. I would be nothing but supportive and it's just nobody else's business. And I think it's so sad. You should be able to be whomever you want to be. And, and I just can't believe that we're in 2021 and this is still an issue. I mean, it's beyond me. It's amazing and brave how you open up about your mental health struggles in the book. And yeah, I relate to that a lot. Um, is it difficult talking about it again now that you're talking about the book so much? Yeah, I think the first time it really did, um, I, I sort of really had a tear, was when I did the audio reading. in the wow. I was in this tiny little booth on my own reading the whole book. And when I read back some of the things like, the OCD behavior or the trolling and the nasty things people say. And, and then also some of the good things about, you know, having my kids, it, it was a tough, tough read actually. Cause once it's all come together as a book, it really does narrate the story. One of the most um, fascinating stories in me, for, for me in the book is when you were alone in your flat, you would put football on because you didn't know what else to do. And that was like your, the default thing that you would do because obviously Jamie and, and whatnot. I just find that absolutely fascinating. I think it was just that what you're used to. Like for me, football would always be on in the house. And, and if I'm really honest, it used to send me to sleep. <laughs> 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 so, I, you know, it's been well documented that I'm not a football fan. Um, <laughs> and sometimes just having that noise would just send me into a relaxed mode of sleep. It meant everyone else was okay in the house because they were watching football, which was time for me to just have a little 20 minutes on my own. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was like a comfort thing. I think it just gave me some sense of... It's like everything. It just takes a while to get out of habits. I find it very difficult to not get triggered all the time with my yeah. mental health. And yet, and last week when Megan and Harry and Megan was very graphically describing her suicidal thoughts, that really sent me back into kind of a dark place. And I've obviously read your story about the bus. Um, does it send you back there? And, and how do you prevent that from happening? How do you protect yourself? Um, yeah, it does send you back there. And there's a part of you that thinks, how did that ever become a real thing in my mind? And I remember to this day, that feeling of literally crawling down onto the floor and thinking, I, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I can't feel this bad anymore. I, I, I can't seem to make anything better. Yeah, it, it's a feeling, but what it has done, I think, to me, it really makes me now recognise not to allow yourself to ever get to that point, to, to do something about it prior. I think I didn't speak to anybody. I think I felt so heavily judged and and I felt so hated which sounds so mad because nobody's that bothered you know about my life but to me at the time it felt so huge I was embarrassed to even go into a supermarket and sort of go to the checkout because I was convinced everybody thought so badly of me um, and I think it just spirals in your mind and you feel very out of control of what people were saying and thinking like I had no control. I, I was powerless. I, unless I wanted to come out and 
as Dan says, spill the tea um, and sort of say loads of different things and involve lots of different people. I um, I just felt a bit powerless, I think. And I think that's what what finally made me sort of really crumble. But then I've got two little boys that always come into my mind that, that I know they need me more than they need anyone else. So... You know, I have to all, I had to remember that. And I don't think I'd allow myself to ever get back into that space, or I will certainly do my best to never get back there. I guess part of the reason you were feeling this way is because the, the awful way in which you were getting treated by the, the tabloids. Um, and I just wonder whether, whether you think anything's changed. I don't think anything's changed. Like, I really get this business and I get that my life is going to be documented. And you can't use the press one minute because you've got a single out and not expect them to write about the other part of your life. We all know it comes with the territory. I think all I would love to say is just treat me with the same fairness I felt like I had some such horrible headlines, regardless of what people thought I did, didn't do. I'm still a human being. And I feel like the attacks were so personal that I found that quite difficult to, to get over. I mean, Meghan Markle says that she just doesn't read the papers at all and she didn't read anything about Prince Harry. She just switched off. So is there any way that you can just, I don't know, like just not see this stuff? I think you always try. I mean, and, and I, God, I, I get it nowhere near as, as Meghan Markle does. And also, I really want to say, because I sometimes feel that it's unfair, there's some amazing journalists out there and publications that have really given me amazing press and been so supportive with the music and stuff so it's it's not all bad but yeah I always try not to read actually because I think if you don't see it it doesn't really cut that deep but I don't know someone always manages to tell you and I think this is the danger of social media someone can just be trying to be nice and say oh I saw it said to you today about you I hope you're okay and then your mind's going what's been said about me I, i've got to a stage now where i get up and i say to like one of my team is, is there anything horrible today and they're like no 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 and then there's sort of like a small pause if there is where it's like <laughs> who wants to break the news to her that there's not a very nice but you know it is what it is and it's got a lot better and i'm, I'm really hoping that the book helped with that and just i can just like move on i suppose now how is the dating world right now? And is it difficult in lockdown? I, I know, right, for me with the whole dating thing, and you almost probably both get this because I think we're all the same. And But as a woman, not that you guys are women, but, you know, me, my personal experience, I feel that everybody, the first question they ask me is, are you seeing anyone? Have you got a boyfriend? And I really want to say it, but I don't say it. So I want to say that wouldn't be the one thing that categorically makes me happy and to suggest I'm in a good place. That is like the cherry on top. Yeah, that would be great. But actually, right now, I've got two things that I have to concentrate on. And one of them, of course, is my boys who are my world. And secondly, is my career. I've gone into a space where, A, I need to go to work, and B, this is what I've missed doing for so many years. So I'm not 
in some big relationship at all. And it's because I choose not to be. I really want to focus on me. My head's not even there. So I always find it, people just assume like, oh, you're not, oh, you're not seeing anyone. It's like, there's a, a sadness. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. It, this is good. good. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel exactly that. Like, I spent most of my life being the one that was like, oh, why don't I have a partner? Why don't I have a boyfriend? And now I've got one and I'm fed up. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But I do think we put way too much pressure on, on that. And, yeah. um, and we shouldn't because we're not finding our other half. We're finding someone to share our life yeah. with but we're already a whole aren't we yeah we and it's you know it. along the line I've got of course I've met people and lovely people but I haven't really been in the headspace where I've wanted a really serious public relationship because I don't know I, I've just felt that I've had other things to really put my heart into and um I felt like that those were the things that deserved my heart right now not somebody else oh we love you louise thank you for being on again and on gay thanks so much really good luck with everything and thanks for listening babes do the admin and support gay and non-gay visit gaynongay.com slash donate <laughs>